Ray. It's Pillars of Franchise. Did the train get to you on time? So you're here? I'm here. How are you, Fred? All right. I'm fine. You know, this is a big day for us. This is our first two-guest show. And an hour long. And an hour long, yeah. So um, I have faith that you'll be able to talk for an hour. Um, hmm. Well, we'll see. (laughs) Well, we do want to welcome uh, Lonnie Helgerson and Steve Eschbach. Oh, yeah, I'm killing it. So interesting about thing about Lonnie, he's written a best-selling book in franchising called Five Pennies, Ten Rules to Successfully Build a Franchise Mega Brand and Maximize Products. Hello, Lonnie. How are you doing today? Hey, good, good gentlemen. Good afternoon. Uh, thanks for having me on. You bet. We're yeah, we're happy to have you. So, Ray, kick it off with our first question. So, Lonnie, can you tell me something about the book you wrote? That sounds really interesting. Oh, it is interesting, and uh, it's it's fairly well known in, in the franchising uh, circles. I uh, actually wrote it about uh, four or five years ago, and um, long story short with it is I had, uh, at the time I was, approached about it. I was running a company called Identikid, which is a child identification franchise based out of St. Petersburg, Florida. A number of uh, friends had been pushing me to write a book, and I really have never considered myself an author, nor was I much of a writer. And uh, uh, I was uh, having lunch with a, a fellow author one day, and I was telling him a story about uh, how I helped get the Geek Squad going with Best Buy, and he said that's a fascinating story. He said what you need to do is, is uh, you know, write a book. And I, I said I haven't the slightest clue on how to do that. And he said take that story and nine other stories, write it down, and you'll have your ten chapters. And I thought, okay, that that makes a lot of sense. But uh, during the time I, uh, I I got to thinking about it pretty hard was right after we came out of the recession. Um, and uh, there were a lot of franchisors that were doing what I would call, you know, back in the glory days of writing on home equity and doing deals and franchisors coming out of the woodwork, and there was a lot of a lot of money available. And I, I saw a lot of what I would consider predatory uh, practices for a number of franchises. Uh, for example, the eBay drop-off stores fundamentally didn't make any money. There's a lot of great Americans put their money into those brands, and, and, and they went away. And there was a lot of activity going on riding out that easy real estate money, and um, I had a, a lot of information that I wanted to share. And so that was the, uh, the gist of what started me to, to write the book and, uh, and put together a book that really talked. Nobody, a lot of people talk about how to start a franchise, and a lot of people talk about how to buy a franchise. But nobody had written a book about saying take a take a franchise and build a good solid uh, brand around that with solid principles based on strong unit economics and uh, and how to grow it and uh, that's what Five Pennies uh, became. Uh, ten rules basically are ten um, uh, rules to, to to follow that will build a very strong foundation for a brand to uh, maximize system profits to the franchisees. In my case, when I talk about franchise mega brand, mega is meaning large, it's meaning great. And because, uh, mm-hmm. you know, large doesn't necessarily mean great, right? So that's the, uh, right. that's the just the five pennies. So is, is Kicks Mobile Markets in your book or is that something uh, separate? Kicks Mobile uh, is, a, is a brand I own. It's a wireless brand that myself and partners own and, and uh, that is something we started in the last year and a half here, so it didn't make the book. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you, you well, want to talk a little bit about Kicks, or or you want to continue uh, telling telling us about the book? Well, let me uh, let me talk a little bit about Five Pennies. Of course, I'm always interested in in talking about Kicks Mobile because we we are uh, we're doing very well in the wireless world, but. Um, you know, one of the things I'll just throw out there is a lot of people ask why the title Five Pennies, and uh, yeah. literally Five Pennies. Yeah, Five Pennies um, 
you know, uh, really is when you take a look at unit economics of a franchise um, and you, you know, you bring in a dollar from a customer and so many pennies go to rent from that dollar, so many pennies go to buy products for resale and insurance, et cetera, et cetera. At the bottom of that, somewhere in that, in that, in that chart there, you've got five pennies that's a, that, that goes to the franchisor's royalty. And five pennies is the, uh, you know, the industry average, so to speak. And, and this book is really about protecting those five pennies and ensuring that uh, the unit economics are strong enough that, that uh, you know, those are safeguarded both for the franchisee and the franchisor. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. So where can you get a copy of the book? You can buy a copy of my book on Amazon or iTunes or anywhere. It's, it's, it's all over the Internet. Uh, it's available for Kindle, paperback, and hardcover as well. Will you autograph them? Absolutely. Somebody goes to uh, my website, franchisemegabrand.com, and orders one. I can. There's a little box there if they want. Put somebody's name in there. I can. Uh, I can uh, customize it for them, whatever they like it to say. So, no, yeah. no problem. So, before you started, I know you said Kix Mobile's in the wireless sector. You've actually been in the tech sector in franchising for a while. Um, I seem to remember something about you started Computer Doctor before Geek I did, Squad? yeah. Oh, yeah, long before that. Um, I guess a lot of people consider me the uh, kind of the uh, pioneer in that sector in franchising because when I rolled out uh, that brand, uh, the only other brand in my space was uh, Computer Renaissance. And I don't know if you guys remember that I brand. Remember it was based that. out of Minneapolis, yeah. Uh, they grow quite well, and we grew quite well, and then we had a, a host of others that grew up in our space. And, and um, you know, I, grew, I started Computer Doctor. I was, had been with Super 8 Motels, which was founded in Aberdeen, South Dakota, and I had been with them for 10 years and uh, started uh, Computer Doctor when I left that company. And uh, we had a really good run with that, and... Um, did a lot of amazing things, including uh, assisting on the Geek Squad uh, uh, explosion. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So you are a, a you are a pioneer in the tech sector in franchising, then, or were? That's what they. Uh, well, I think I probably still am because it seems like I tried to. Uh, basically, I grew that company in another tech brand called Expotech uh, Technology Services, which was a brand that focused more on uh, business-to-business services, where Computer Doctor was a consumer-driven uh, brand. Um, both of those brands I exited out of in 2005, and I tried to run out of technology, and uh, uh, but I couldn't run out of franchising. And now, interesting enough, a couple of years later, you know, all these years later, I'm, I'm back in the technology sector and franchising. So you can run, but you but you can't hide. And and uh, I guess it's it's kind of interesting. This is a this, this the sector that I'm in with now, and my partners with Kix Mobile is something I've had my eye on for about ten years, ever since the iPhone was invented. So what what are the things about uh, what makes Kix Mobile different? Uh, how does it differentiate between other? Because uh, there's there's a lot of you know small shops, especially around here, probably other places as well that that sell cell phones. So what makes your uh, what kicks mobile different? Well, we're very different. There's a lot of players in the space, including our our my my co interviewer Stephen, who's going to be talking soon with the United Franchise Group, has got Experimac and. So you, you break, I fix, and cell phone repair, and there's a there's a number of them out there that are specializing in repair. There's a number of them that specialize in in uh, you know selling you know the products um, to a certain degree, and then there's there's others that are in the, what we kind of call a carrier service if you want to get a plan and and that type of thing. And of course, and everybody sells accessories, and there's a there's a great reason for that, by the way. Uh, but uh, Kix Mobile is doing things extremely different than anyone else, particularly in two different segments. One is we um, we repair phones, but we don't repair our phones in the stores. We uh, we do a pro- process called exchange repair, 
And basically what happens is a customer walks in with an iPhone or a Samsung or whatever the case may be, and they've got a crushed screen or some other problem with it. We um, will take, give them a certified pre-owned phone with a warranty on it, transfer their data, and send them out the door in about 20 minutes. So we have a, and Al for about the same price as uh, what it would cost you to have somebody repair it. And, and our returns are virtually um, unheard of. Uh, you know, we don't, uh, you know, the repair space, quality parts, quality tax is a big issue, and it's about a 22% return rate in that, in that market. And uh, that's a pain point that we cured um, with our exchange repair model. Uh, and also we don't have to stock uh, enormous amounts of parts or le- need to learn, our people need to learn, you know, how to fix the latest phone that comes out. So it's, a, it's an exciting model. It's one that's caught the attention of the carriers and, you know, the country, the, everybody in the industry um, in a big way. The other uh, piece that we um, really uh, do differently is the buy, sell, and trade of phones. Now, there's a few people out there that do that, and you mentioned some independents. But nobody's doing it on a national basis like we're doing on, on all of the, not only iPhone, but Samsung and others, uh, that bring a uniform pricing matrix to it on a national level. Um, and our position in that space, we're, we're, our goal is to be the GameStop and the phone space in that area. And then on top of that, we have all of the other prepaid uh, plans and accessories and the like. And so ultimately, Fix Mobile is the first uh, wireless store that's brought all of these services under one roof. And uh, it's, it's really caught fire. We, uh, we launched it here uh, about 12 months ago on the franchising side, and we've got contracts. We've, we've got Canadian uh, division that we've just expanded with 20 locations, minimum in Toronto and another 30 or 40 behind it. We've got a... Um, uh, about probably, I think right now, about 240, 250 in the pipeline here in the States uh, and a lot of interest with it. So we're growing, growing out very well. There's a lot of tension with it. So I can, I can make... see where, when, you, when you're approaching a prospective buyer for this franchise where not having to learn how to fix a phone is probably a, a, a good selling point because that's, you know, that could be you know, a uh, pretty steep learning curve, I would imagine, wouldn't it? Well, it is. And, you know, it's, it's, it's not so much the learning curve. It's how do you, you know, this is where my experience in the tech sector comes to play, having, you know, hundreds and hundreds of stores in the services center um, and, and how to manage tens of thousands of technicians. And the challenge with technical people are wonderful, great people. We love them. But when you sit down to attack a problem uh, with five of them sitting in the same room, they'll all approach it five different ways. So it becomes an issue of scale. And it also becomes an issue of communication because that's what, they, that's what they're passionate about. And so they like to communicate that. And, and so, you know, a number of years ago, I did a deep study with a company out of St. Petersburg, Florida, called Jable Electronics. And we, we interviewed hundreds and hundreds of of companies and cell phone repair and the computer repair and home theater and everybody came down to two items. One is when my stuff is broken, I'm I'm extremely frustrated. And today, uh, you know, our lives run on mobile technology. That is just that mm-hmm. simple. And second, when I'm really frustrated like that, the last thing I want to do is deal with somebody that's speaking the language that I'm not speaking. So our goal was to say we're going to take the tech out of the tech, uh, start with the customer experience, and then we back into the technology to provide a solution. So it's a very different approach to it. So that brings me to my question, which is where where are you in California and how far are you away from San Luis Obispo? Because I need a new phone or I need my hair. Well, we're we're not in California yet, but we're coming, yeah. and we're we're coming in a big way. Uh, we've got an enormous footprint that we're looking to fill in this country. Uh, we have uh, we've got some seriously large carriers that uh, 
Uh, we're, we're coming out with our own postpaid plans, much like a, you would be able to buy at a T-Mobile store as uh, a Kix mobile plan, and we'll be running on the nation's most trusted network, uh, as you can imagine who that is. So we've been approached by some, some big companies, and, and uh, we've got a, we've got a, you know, a three to 5,000 store footprint to fill out in this country, so we've got a lot of room to grow, and about, and about three to 350 units is our goal in Canada. Okay, Canada doesn't do me any good. Everywhere else doesn't do me any good. But California is where I need it. So when? Because I, I don't know how long I can so, last this current phone. I don't know. So, I don't so, know. I'll be there as soon as we can. How many current stores do you have now, Lonnie? Right now, how we're, how many? we're just rolling this out, and we've got we've got three or four that are under construction. So this is in a, in a location mm-hmm. in Chicago. So we're we're brand okay. new. We're brand new, but the um, multi-unit people in the wireless sector uh, are what's just chasing us down in ways that you can't quite imagine. It's just mm-hmm. unreal. Yeah. Now, oh, now Fred, I see how you got to remember. Fred, yeah, he's you, got a you gotta remember by you, not me. That's right. That's right. But Fred, all you do is slip your phone in an envelope and mail it to Chicago. That's all you got to do. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'll, I'll, be right <laughs> I'll be there in two weeks. I'll be there in two weeks. I'll just walk it in myself. So, on a different topic, you have the name of Franchise Shark. Talk to us about that. We've had the Franchise King on, but you're the first shark we've had on. So you've had Joel LaBob on. Wonderful. I know Joel really well. Um, I... Uh, that that uh, tag has come probably because of my owning multiple brands, much like Shark Tank guys. I I have my fingers in a lot of businesses, a lot of franchise companies over the years. I've bought and sold the brands, the whole brand. Of course, I've started about six or seven of them from scratch and either sold them off and grown them, or or a couple didn't really make it that far, unfortunately. And uh, and I've also been run a lot of companies, and I sit on the board of a of a four, four different brands right now, on a board of directors. So I, I, I would imagine that's probably where I get that name from. Okay, so we're gonna talk so, later. Hey, Go ahead, Lonnie. You know, you're looking for uh, people to buy your franchise, and I was looking on LinkedIn. I noticed that you were chairman of Betfran uh, for a while. Mm-hmm. And and I was wondering how does how does Betfran help uh, prospective buyers of franchises? Well, as as most some of the listeners on or probably most know, Betfran uh, is the the most uh, successful veteran a military veteran franchise initiative that's ever that's ever been, quite frankly, mm-hmm. uh, uh, bars hands down. Um, I was fortunate enough to sit on the founding committee with Michael Side and a bunch of others and Ray Thompson from Dwyer Group and Dina and all of the like at the start of that program. And um, we started that with, uh, there was about six of us on the committee uh, back right after Desert Storm. And uh, I was two-time chairman of that, uh, a couple of years chairman of that. I'm still on the committee as a past chairman and I'm the old guy in the back room now. But that program has been able to bring resources and franchise brands that have specific offerings to uh, for veterans. Typically, it's in, a, in, the, in the form of a discount off the franchise fee. Other companies give away franchises. Others have discount off their royalties, suppliers off discounts. But it's, it's the way the franchising community has come together to offer a veteran something to say thank you for their service um, and, and get them into a business. And they are fantastic fits in business. And, uh, and there's been, I believe it's hundreds of thousands of them now in franchising because of that program. It's fantastic. Very, couldn't be more proud to, been, to be a part of that. So as a veteran, and uh, I wanted to buy uh, – Kicks, Mo- uh, Kicks Mobile Store, so I can fix Fred's phone. What would Thank Kicks you. have to offer me? <laughs> we offer a fifteen percent discount on our franchise fee. Oh, fantastic! 
Yep. And I'm a veteran myself, so I speak it. And uh, uh, we're looking. We're always looking for veterans to join our system. That's you know one one of the things as a veteran I've noticed there seems to be a lot of things available for veterans, but it's like a, a well kept secret. There's a lot of things that veterans don't know about for some reason, and I think it's one of the things that need to be broadcast more and what is available to the veterans and uh, you know from uh, all all the the previous events that we had that veterans were involved in. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, always working to put the word out there and support the cause. And, and um, you know, it's just a lot of people have been stroked out of the military, you know, since the wind down of operations in the theater out in, in the Middle East and all of that. So um, mm. there's been a lot of people that have gotten into business. And, and now a, a lot of those guys and gals are at a point, maybe they've come back and they're in the, they're in the private sector and maybe finding themselves frustrated with that. Now is the time to take a look and, and see if there might be a business out there that might fit them in some capacity. Absolutely. They can go to vetbrand.com, by the way. Okay. Fred. That's quite awesome. So we, we uh, one of our earlier guests was Meg Roberts, the president of uh, Molly Mae uh, Corp. And one of the things we asked her was, um, what type of person makes uh, the for a successful Molly Maid franchise owner? So uh, I'll ask the question of what makes a what would what would be the qualities be of a person who would become a successful Kicks Mobile franchisee? Sure. Well, we we really focus on uh, we built our system from ground up for multi-unit people. Uh, our business, the wireless industry. Uh, is naturally attracts uh, multiple unit people, and so all of the our profile is built around that. We do have we do have uh, you know teams like a husband and wife team, but uh, typically they will also do multiple units. Uh, we do sell a single unit and a three pack, and and, and we're working on a 200 unit transaction uh, uh, right now. So uh, which is is very large, um, but mm-hmm. that profile of franchisee. And, and, and you know, and we have the tools to to to, to do that. That's that's a given. We we uh, we've got tools that uh, other franchise brands may not even have. So, um, particularly with the metrics and all that. But the franchisees we're looking for somebody that that if we're looking at somebody even a single or a three pack, we're looking. First of all, we're looking for people that got fired in the belly. Put aside all the financial requirements and all that. That's a given. You know, we got to have they got to have X money and all that kind of thing. But from a profile perspective, they really need to, to fit with us really good culturally because our culture is, is not a techie culture. Our culture is more like you would experience at a, uh, uh, from, a, from an Apple store or a Nike person. Uh, we're on the, we like to tell people we're in the coolness factor, you know, that, uh, you know, that, and, and they want to have a lot of fun when they're building out their teams and they're, and their store staff. So, you know, that's, that's the first thing we look for, people that want to have a good time running their business. They're going to need to like people. They're going to need to feel like young people. Millennials, uh, younger crowd is, is our customers. Um, that's a big deal. And, and um, they need to be able to, to uh, you know, think on their feet and uh, be engaging and, and understand the technology and understand why a company like Kix Mobile operates. Uh, from there, you know, we of course digress into all of the other other things, but then we move up for a, a multi-unit uh, a company, and we've had, you know, we've got a lot of multi-unit people that come for us, and that's a very different uh, approach. Uh, at that point, we're looking to see how we interface with their teams because many of them have their own teams, their own real estate people, their own uh, uh, support people, and, and uh, field operations. And we, we have to align those cogs with our cogs in a very different uh, factor. So fire in their gut and uh, understanding why the technology exists and if they're excited about it and they have passion for the product. And uh, that's, a, that's, a, that's a start, a start for us. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you used one of two M words. Um, 
and that is millennial. We won't talk about the other M word. Um, but do you see millennials embracing the concept of owning franchises? Um, are you expecting a lot of millennials to want to own Kix Mobile franchises? We do. We see, uh, you know, age groups with us. It's uh, Again, we primarily see more multi-unit uh, partner arrangements. But uh, the younger crowd, you know, lifestyle, I'm a late gen, you know, late gen X person, and I guess you could dump me into the early baby boomers. I'm somewhere in the no man's land there, but, um, you know, tech, yeah, I know that tech one. savvy. <laughs> yeah, tech savvy and, and um, you know, that crowd that, that's coming out today. I'll give you guys a great example. I was at our store a store, one of our stores the other day, and there was a kid that walked up to it, and it's a mall kiosk, this one, and this boy was probably, I think, around 11, and I noticed that our manager, our staff member, wasn't really taking quick attention to him, and it was a, it's a new new uh, location, and um, he went over there, and he talked to him for a minute, and he came back, and, you know, I, I, I looked at him, and I said, well, what happened? He said, well, he was looking for an iPhone uh, 6S with so much memory. I said, I said, exactly. I said, why? I said, why did you not go to help that young man sooner? Well, he was young, and I didn't think. I said, that is our customer. That 11-year-old is our customer because I, for one, was looking across the mall, and his father was in the other store. And when he walked up, he was looking for something specific. That is who our customer is. So it's even younger guys than the millennials. Our customers are our kids. And this technology to them has become a utility, and we're fulfilling that, you know, that utility model for them. And, you know, the buy, sell, and trade and repair. The other thing for us with the exchange repair is we can do something the repair guys can't do, and that's if your phone is broke, we can actually upgrade you at the same time. So if you wanted to go from a 6 to a 7 for a couple extra bucks, we can move you into a different phone completely. No repair shop can do that. So it's very exciting, mm-hmm. very exciting for us and our customers. Then I'll ask about the other M word, marketing. <laughs> so marketing. do uh, marketing, yeah, I know. Ray knows it's always coming. Usually he starts the question. So... <laughs> what we see in with most franchisors is they give great marketing, but it's always a one-size-fits-all thing. And yeah. Yeah. as for me, as we've been working with franchisees, I've learned that a donkey in a Molly made uniform really kicks ass in Iowa. But if you want mm-hmm. the same type of bang for the buck in Chicago or California, you're better off using a iguana in a Molly made uniform. Um, yep. And yes, I've had customers do both. So, uh, <laughs> how do you guys, or how do you give instruction to your uh, franchisees on how to localize and personalize their marketing? We probably offer a bit more help in that than than the average bear, if you will, or donkey in this case. We um, and. I, I want to try and keep this short if I can because I know we're getting tight on time, but um, yep. our market is driven with whatever solution we're looking for because we offer variable pieces of this. We have exchange repair. Uh, we have, you know, buying and selling. There's different messaging for different components of our business. That's where it starts. But our entire goal through social, digital marketing, digital advertising, and we still do a trim, our go, boots on the ground the, net, the events, the, the canopies, the whole thing out in the public and networking thing is very strong for us, but we measure this stuff really, really tightly. We just now, uh, I just came back from Florida for a meeting where we're doing a Kix Mobile 2.0 store where we're developing what's called a smart store, where our stores will be outfitted in the fixtures with sensors, and we're going to have a system in the center of the ceiling that will count everybody that comes in the store with a camera, and it will sense all the people in the store, what they're looking at, how long they're there. If you can kind of think about a heat map on a website, we can tell which, um, uh, which uh, products are getting looked at. Did we have a promotion network? And that all ties in with our point of sale. 
and we see all that stuff by the minute. This, what we do is this stuff isn't by the day. We look at this by the minute, um, our live time, basically. And so different products, I guess to answer your question, is different pieces of what we sell are marketed in different ways. For example, exchange repair is fairly new. So there's an education factor it takes for people to do that, and we're developing some new uh, um, explainer videos, so we can push those out to a, a store uh, within a couple miles of a store through geofencing uh, to to put out that information. And then when somebody's looking for phone repair, because that's the first place they go is uh, go digital, that we're able to pop up an offer and explainer video to them and say with a quick click to, to walk to the store. So we are, and that's just a 75,000-foot uh, view of what we do. It's, it's, we are very intense on the marketing campaigns. Wow, that was a perfect that sounds a, Oh, Go ahead, Ray. Sorry. <laughs> but uh, I think that, uh, Fred, you were talking about something uh, similar to geofencing uh, when someone's driving by a uh, like one of our our Molly made cars that uh, it would it would uh, pop up on their phone uh, call Molly made. Yeah, not talking we were, about something like that. Yeah, we we have been in past yes, and we've been testing stuff like that for a bit. But as we're running out of time, I don't want to go into another topic. I just want to ask Lonnie, how do people get a hold of you? How do they find you and get a hold of you? Well, they can find us uh, for Kicks Mobile. They can find us at uh, uh, kicksmobile.com or kicksfranchise.com. Uh, if they're looking for me, they can get a hold of me at uh, my website, which is franchisemegabrand.com. Awesome. Well, Ray and I are really happy you could make it. On LinkedIn. Appreciate which you having me. Which is what I did. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Thanks. Thanks, Lonnie. Sir, we'll be talking to you soon. So, Ray, our next guest is Stephen Esbach of Transworld Business Advisors. Stephen, say hello. Hey, good afternoon, guys. You run a good show. That's for uh, the first half. You bet. You're going to make it a great second half, I'm hoping. Let's hope so. Let's (laughs) hope so. So, I'll, I'll, I'll steal Ray's first question. Is Tell us a bit about yourself and Transworld Business Advisors. So Transworld Business Advisors is uh, probably one of the largest business brokers in the world. We have over 185 locations in 20 countries, and our goals are pretty succinct. Um, we help business owners confidentially sell their businesses, so we bring buyers and sellers together. The second uh, pillar, I guess, if you will, in our uh, objective is to sell franchises, and I've sold a few to, uh, to executives in transition. And then the third is – actually, there's four pillars that I'll start, get to the third. We do franchise development. So as me and my colleagues approach business owners and they decide, well, maybe I don't want to sell, maybe I want to franchise, we have a team called Accurate Franchising, which is part of the United Franchise Group, which is my parent. Uh, that can help uh, help business owners do everything from initial marketing to franchise document uh, preparation to follow-up sales after the fact. So it's a very comprehensive uh, group. And the fourth item is uh, we also do mergers and acquisitions, and we have a team that help uh, help us uh, partner with local businesses that want to do that. So very, very succinctly, we're, we're here to help business owners achieve what they want, and we're also here to help uh, business buyers uh, get into whatever it is they, uh, they feel most comfortable with. Ray? Yeah. So basically, basically how, how, tell me a bit more about franchise sales as well as your franchise development services. So with franchise sales, and this is kind of interesting, my background, I'll, I'll briefly go through that. I'm a former corporate executive in a function called investor relations, and in that function I worked with C-level executives, helped them tell the investment merits of the story of the company they represented, and they have to be clear, concise, confident, convincing, and compassionate in order to interact with Wall Street analysts and to get them to either buy our stock 
or get others to buy our stock. And uh, as a result of that, I guess I've done a pretty good job because I've been involved in a number of transactions where we were acquired. I became the duplicate executive, so I was uh, shown the door. So after that happened six or seven times, I met up with the United <laughs> Franchise Group representative, and this is so funny, when we first met, he had right by his chair in a local Starbucks, he had a signorama brochure thinking that I'd like to own a bricks-and-mortar business. But what he did is we chatted for a bit, and he said, Steve, what have you done and what do you want to do? And he was able to listen and respond, and he said, you know what, I'm not even going to present this signorama brochure to you. And by the way, Sonorama is the signature brand of the United Franchise Group, which is our parent. And there's over 800 uh, throughout the world, and they've been around since 1986. And that was the start of the United Franchise Group. But getting back to, to the story that the United Franchise Group uh, talked about, he said, you know what, Steve, I think Trans World Business Advisors is a better fit for you. You did you were dealing with C-level executives. Now you're going to deal with business owners, and you can help them sell their businesses, get the story that most best represents uh, the opportunities that they're putting forth for potential buyers, and that's kind of how, to, how it came about. <laughs> that's really interesting. And then uh, on the franchise development side, I mean, when we interact, and I have a lot of colleagues, when I bought my franchise in 2016, there was only two of us in Chicagoland. There's now five of us. And if you extend that down to Springfield, which is about three hours south, we've got six of us from Springfield to the Wisconsin border. We've got a great team. And a lot of times when we interact with businesses, we always ask the question, well, if you're not interested in selling at this time, would you be interested in perhaps expanding through franchise development? And we have a team, like I mentioned before, called Accurate Franchising that is able to get them everything from an initial business plan to the documentation needed to start the franchise process and then the follow-up after that to get them multiple units after the fact. And it's an exciting, exciting business because a lot of business owners that I interact with, and I'm sure I can speak the same for my other colleagues throughout the world, is that a lot of times these business owners never thought about franchising. And, uh, you know, as Lonnie spoke about, you can, you can really excel at that if you do the right thing, and that's what we have a team for to help them do that. So you're one of the first guests we've had on that, that uh, operates under the first pillar, which is choosing the right opportunity, Op- and Correct. you operate under the third pillar, which is growing your franchise, and then you operate on the goal of the pillars of franchising, which is to um, – to be a successful franchisee, you had to start start your buy your franchise, grow to a certain size, and then in my head transfer it out. So the goal of all of this is transferring the opportunity to somebody else. So you're the first person we've actually had that um, helps on the choosing the right opportunity and um, transferring out. So before we hit to that transferring out, which is to me the real meat, meat and potatoes here. I want to ask, what what do you see, or do you see um, times when people go more, go more into franchising or purchase franchises than other times? Is it a is it a uh, economic thing? Is it what is it that causes people to decide I want to go become a franchisee? Well, let me let me tell you my story. Um, so I have a little bit of gray hair on my head, and I've been in the business world for 40 years. So I've been involved with corporate America for you know many, many, many years. And you know I do I did a great job. I maximized the value of our company stock, and unfortunately that caused us to get acquired by someone else. And then my destiny was at the mercy of someone else. So I think what I'm finding is that there are quite a few people who are at the same stage of their career that are thinking maybe this is an opportunity for me to control my own destiny. And I think you're seeing more of that today given the workplace environment. So in my investor relations professional, I know quite a few people who unfortunately suffered the same uh, thing that I did, and they were restructured out of position either because of mergers and acquisition or because, you know, some pricing, commodity pricing went south and their positions were eliminated. 
So I think a lot of these executives are thinking that now is an opportunity for me to get involved in doing my own thing. One of the great things about uh, owning a franchise, like, for example, Transworld Business Advisors have been around for 35 years. They had done a tremendous job in Florida, and now they've moved it out. And, my goodness, they're in 20 countries throughout the world. And they've got a proven system that can help any executive in transition who wants to get into owning and operating their own business, a model for which they can follow and be successful. Plus, their support team is just unbelievable. They are very responsive, and they're able to help you get through whatever it is you need to get through. But also for me is I've learned to be coachable, which means that I am willing to accept critical feedback and respond accordingly because it's only there to help people do better at what they do. And getting back to executives in transition, you know, I'm running into quite a few people who have really had a difficult time finding that next executive role and owning a franchise, like I said, gives you the opportunity to control your own destiny with the support of a proven track record that's been there. You take any of the names under the United Franchise Group, Signorama would be the most uh, the one that stands out the most because they've been around for 31 years. I mean, they I, I actually used them back in 2000 when I was working at a company called Fuel Cell Energy in Danbury, Connecticut. We used them to do our signs. I didn't know at that time that was the United Franchise Group company. And lo and behold, that's one of my sister companies that, you know, we continue to market to quite a few people. So I think it gives executives now an opportunity to just kind of rethink what's that next career path. And I think a lot of people get excited about being an entrepreneur because you really get to, you know, move your ideas forward. You don't have to worry about the red tape of others. Sure, you may accidentally step your toe, stumble on your toe or stub your toe, I think it is. Uh, but you just those are not failures. Those are learning experiences, and you just get better at what you're doing, and I think that's a great opportunity, and that, that's one of the things that gets me excited about this opportunity here. I definitely can see that. Uh, cause I can see where yeah. I, I think most people take a look at something of what you're doing, and they try to divide it into, well, I'll need an attorney, I'll need an accountant, I'll need you know a franchise advisor, but what you're saying is that you you kind of combine all those things into one? You you can. With Transworld, um, you can. You can do that. With your, with Accurate Franchising, if you're a business and you want to franchise, they'll put all, all that together for you at a very reasonable mm-hmm. price. Uh, when, I, when I bought my Transworld franchise, like I said, they are very uh, popular in Florida. They had all the documentation in place. I just had to have it reviewed by a local attorney just to make sure all the documentation was consistent with Illinois law. But the good news is is that you now have a, an attorney who turns out to be a business development networking contact. You have an accountant, which becomes a business networking contact, or you mm-hmm. develop new business. So. It, it's kind of interesting. You know, I've done a lot of career development and job search networking over my careers. I've been restructured out of executive roles six times since 1999. And even though my background is finance, uh, people would most likely think I'm an introvert, but I've been a salesperson for the better part of 20 years because, you know, I'm looking for that next opportunity. I'm looking to meet people. I'm looking to find out how I can help them, and in return, you know, they can help me. I mean, it's absolutely fantastic. Uh, what you're able to do with business development networking. And you'll find that a lot of these entrepreneurs have the same goal in mind, and that is to refer people to you that will generate business, which in turn you will do the same to your new business networking colleagues. And it it just – networking, I mean, it just – it becomes more enjoyable now that you're doing it in that regard. And I think a lot of people out there are very much willing to help you. And, you know, as long as you're willing to – listen and respond as opposed to tell. That's one thing I learned early in my career. So my goal in business networking activities is not to present my card and say, this is what I can do for you. My goal is to meet you. Tell me about your business. What excites you the most about that? Uh, What are some of your pain points? How do you think we can help you out? Who do you think I should meet that I could help? You know, and things like that. It's just a, a more of a give and take and you know, business entrepreneurs are just so excited about that interaction, and you see it 
with a lot of these business networking opportunities that I, I attend. So it's just enlightening to see that there's many business owners out there willing to help each other out. And like I said, where I was in my career, I could have started my own business on my own, but you know, given that I've had a few years of experience, the franchise model just seemed to make the most sense because, you know, take any franchise, whether it be under the United Franchise Group or any other franchise, you know, you start off after you review all the documentation, you start off with a week or two of training, and then they send a rep out to your store to help you out. So whether it be Transworld, they did that for me, it's just it, it gives you all the support that you need to start being your own business owner, and that, I think, is what's most exciting about it for me at this point in my career. Now, millennials, you know, maybe they have the same attitude. I'll have to go check in with my kids. They're in their 20s and 30s, see if they want to do that. They're not ready to do that just yet. You know, maybe Lonnie thinks that uh, that may be different, and I'd like to learn that there are more people out there like that. But, I mean, you just meet so many people, and you learn from so many people. You really do. I mean, you can never stop learning. One of my mantras is that, you know, always listen and see if it makes sense for you to do what they're doing. Everyone's always willing to help. Just like, yeah, just like everyone at the Trans World and United Franchise Group. Mm-hmm. So he hit the first M word, Ray. He hit the first M word, Ray. Yes. Millennial marketing. Millennial marketing. <laughs> millennials. Speaking of millennials. <laughs> millennials. Well, you know, I, I think everybody talks about millennials because that you know they they seem to be all around us. But I, I always get the impression that uh, us meaning me as a baby boomer, uh, are, are discounted. And uh, I don't, I'm at a point in my life and, and in my business where people are asking me, well, are you going to sell? And I say, no, I'm having too much fun. I'm, I might even be thinking about looking at something else as well. And uh, so don't discount the uh, baby boomers or, you know, anything in between that millennials as what, you know, there's a lot of opportunity out there, I think, especially the way things are, are looking up uh, economically in the country right now. So I'll tell you that I've been doing this for the better part of two years. <clears throat> and one of the things I've learned is that when you meet a business owner, more often than not, they own more than one business. Some of them mm-hmm. own in the dozens of businesses. My United Franchise Group rep was at a uh, a brand name hotel. I won't mention what brand name it was. Just striking up a conversation with the guy behind the desk. Turns out he happened to be the owner. And just during the course of the conversation, how many hotels do you own? Oh, I own seventy. And <laughs> it's utterly amazing. And then you know, you think about this: Dunkin' Donuts. There's an owner in this town, in Naperville, and he doesn't even own a Dunkin' Donuts. I mean, he does own Dunkin' Donuts, but he owns two two other businesses. But the Dunkin' Donut brand, he owns 70 of them. All wow. right? And he owns two other businesses that are separate and distinct from that. So, I mean, these business owners, I mean, once you get started, you just can't stop because there's no. just opportunities there. And yes. maybe I'm jumping yeah. ahead, but, I mean, our, you know, um, I, I just think that once you become a business owner, it just stays with you and uh, – you know, it's it's it, uh, it's great opportunity. It really is. Yes, well, it I is. got to agree. Once you become a business owner, you're kind of ruined for um, <laughs> going back to work for somebody else. I'm not so sure it's ruined. I think you're enlightened because <laughs> you see things from a different perspective, and you realize that there are many business owners that are out there like you. So you know, don't think that. Um, you're going to be able to conquer the world by yourself. I mean, everyone is willing to share what their, you know, lessons learned are to make you be successful because their success, your success, is everyone's success. And like I said, you know, for me, uh, owning Transworld at this opportunity made the right sense. I mean, they've been around for 35 years. They've got proven track records with respect to marketing technology. Uh, they engage a marketing firm that helps you get your website optimized. I mean, I could eventually have done that, but it would have taken a long time to do that all by myself. So they've got the expertise to help anyone who wants to start a business and kind of hit the ground running very fast. And, you know, and United Franchise Group, which is a parent of us, I mean, they're in everything from 
signage to Experimac uh, Lonnie mentioned that before Venturex which is a shared office space I mean and they've got John Smith and Great Greek they, they're into food they they just know how to get into the right areas and know how to support the team and and again if you're a small business owner and you're thinking about franchising you know we have a team that can help you go from beginning to end at a very reasonable price and you know, rather than so, engage a lawyer for this marketing firm for that you know aftermarket sales uh, team for that you know we have over 15,000 locations and nine brand names so we definitely have the expertise to help any business owner that might want to go down that path so it's it, it's right. just a great uh, a great resource there, there's a, a question that I'm going to, in a minute or two, bring Lonnie back on, assuming he's still around to ask, because you, he's built franchises or franchisors, and, and you've helped people franchise. Um, so I, I'm going to bring him back in a minute so we can ask that question. But before sure. we get to that question, um, you also help people sell franchises. What are some of Correct. the gotchas that people run into in selling franchises, passing it on to somebody else? Well, um, having bought a franchise myself, uh, when you are selling a franchise, there are just a few extra steps that need to be covered because not only does the seller have to, well, I being a business broker would qualify the buyer before introducing them to the seller. So once you get the seller that now is okay with the buyer, then there's another step where they have to meet the franchisor, and that's a separate approval process. So you've got two steps when you're selling a franchise. And then the other thing, too, is right off the bat, you know, they're going to want you to attend training. So you have, you know, and, and depending on the brand name, it could be anywhere from one to two weeks of training, and it's usually not in the location where the franchise resale is. I've had two of them here in Illinois. Not one of the brand names are located here. So you had to go somewhere else for the training, but they do have a support team here that will help you out after the fact. So there's a little bit more involved. So if you're buying a or if you're selling a business that's not a franchise, you know, basically the day you close, the keys are given over, and then you go and run the operation. Now, more often than not, the seller is going to give you one, two, three weeks of on-site training just to ease the transition, but there's a more formal process when you're buying a franchise. Some might think that's bad. Some might think, I think it's great, but it just kind of adds a little bit more to the closing process. But it's all good because a lot of these people who buy these businesses don't have the experience in the business they're buying. For example, you buy a frozen yogurt store. Have you ever owned a frozen yogurt store? Maybe not. Well, after two weeks of training on whatever the uh, franchise or location is, and then you get the on-site training from the local rep, you're going to become an expert pretty quick. And you you can't get that as much as you, you know, with a, without a, or I should say a business that's not a franchise because, yeah, the owner will tell you what to do, but, you know, you're on your own after that. Where with a franchise, when you do a franchise resale, I mean, as soon as everyone's gone for the initial four-week training, uh, you've got a phone number to call and you've got a team that will help you out. So the support is already there. So while it adds a little bit more to the process, it's well worth it because you get the expertise to make or help you succeed. Okay. Hit the, hit, then hit the, the road last, running. Yeah. Okay. Correct. So the last question before we bring Lonnie back is, how do people get a hold of you? So I have a website. It's tworld, T-W-O-R-L-D dot com slash Naperville. And if you go to that site, you'll see a couple of videos that will explain more about what I do. One's four minutes, one's 17 minutes. So depending on your pleasure, pick either one. You'll see also my listings there. My phone number is on my site there. So if you just go to tworld.com slash Naperville, N-A-P-E-R-V-I-L-L-E, that's how they can get a hold of me. And I look forward to your visiting awesome. the site. Awesome. So cool. uh, Lonnie cool. should be back on the line. Um, yep. You there, Lonnie? I'm here. All right. So yes, this is a question that uh, Ray and I have discussed back and forth. Um, as we've interviewed a lot of franchisees, they all like to talk about this. the franchise they chose checked all the boxes, which, A, makes me think that franchisees just love to check boxes. But So the question becomes <laughs> is 
if a franchisee is somebody who does not want to start a business uh, themselves, they want to, in theory, buy the business in a box, although please don't yell at me because we've others have, but they want to buy that already existing process and, and all that good stuff uh, because they don't want to deliver it. How does their mind differ from the franchisor who basically goes in and says, okay, I'm going to build all this stuff. One person doesn't like to, in my head, one person doesn't like to build all the stuff where the other person does. What's your thoughts? Lonnie, Stephen, jump in. Well, that's, um, I guess I'll take a stab at it. That's a quantum leap is what it is. Um, I mean, there's a huge, there's a huge difference between, you know, starting a bakery and operating it successfully, if you will, and, and franchising it. And, um, you know, we've got over 3000 franchise concepts in this country. And, uh, I, that's one of the thing, first things, and I have a ton of people call me that are considering franchising their business, and many of them I disqualify simply because they just don't have the uh, maybe the, the personal skill sets to do it um, because it's a completely different business than than what they've been operating. Um, I kind of like to think of what Steve's doing is you know you're looking you know you st- you start a business of your own and you get out there and you as an entrepreneur, right? You know, you're 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 building this uh, hamburger stand, but on the flip side, you can become what I call a franchipreneur, which is a blending of the entrepreneurial skill sets to get into a business, and yet the franchise uh, fran side of that franchipreneur is to follow the systems that have already been built, and you know. It's not to say that franchising doesn't want an entrepreneur, but franchising wants somebody that can take the wheel they built and and help them turn faster. So you know and, and improve it, and and that's going to depend on the maturity of the system, obviously, uh, as well. But uh, there's a huge there's a huge difference, and I I couldn't agree more with Steve that you know if you want to get into a system, I think with franchising you're going to get that jump start there. I don't think I know you're going to get that jump start of you know, it could be anywhere from six to maybe two years ahead of going out and skinning your knees, bloodying your knees, trying to figure it out. You're going to um, make a lot of mistakes. You're going to lose a lot of money and spend an extraordinary amount of time and resources trying to figure something out. Whereas if you pay that forty, forty-five thousand dollar franchise fee or whatever, the mistakes that you made as an entrepreneur starting something cost you well in excess of what that franchise fee is. So it's 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 pretty straightforward. At least and that's, that's well very said, Lonnie. Yeah, very good. Well point. said. And uh, so I'm a firm believer it's not what you know but who you know. <clears throat> so um, like I said, we have accurate franchising that can put everything together from beginning to end at a very reasonable cost if you're thinking about franchising. Some of them would rather do it on their own, and that's okay. And I, I have a local lawyer here who will do that. He'll put your franchise disclosure document together, but I don't think he'll do marketing, and I don't think he'll do aftermarket support. But what I've learned over you know the two years since I've owned my Transworld franchise is that you listen and respond and not tell. So it all depends on what they want to do. And any any company, depending on how you are able to operate it, could become a semi-absentee investment depending on how it's run. A lot of times, though, that these owners want to just jump in and do the work. But, you know, there are ways for you to be able to enable that to be something more like a semi-absentee uh, opportunity. But it all depends on how you put that together. And I'll tell you, you know, all franchisee owners – while there is that rigid system in place, there are some variables that each business owner takes upon themselves because of their particular desires, because of their particular expertise that will enable them to be as successful as they want to be. The system is there. Follow everything according to the rules and the, the operations manual. Everything is set forth there for you to be successful. But there might be certain facets of, of that where you excel at. So, you know, for example, a transworld business owner, you know, they're the person who's good at uh, business development networking will develop a team under him or her to be able to work with the business owner and the, the prospective seller. It all depends on how you're able to manage that process. But, again, with the franchise system in place, 
you know, it gives you a better opportunity. That roadmap is a little bit better than it would be if you were just kind of starting something on your own. That road's not there yet. With a franchise, it is there. And, you know, look, look at what Dorothy did on the way to, the, uh, to Emerald City. You know, she ran into three people there along the Yellow Brick Road. She was supposed to stay on the Yellow Brick Road. Well, for the most part, she did, but she ran into other people. It, that's the way it is with being a franchise owner. I mean, you go along that path. You have certain people that you meet that may help you, that may, you know, kind of allow you to excel in certain other areas where, you know, you're an expert at that. But if you put it all together with a good team, I think you'll do fine. You'll do well. As, as a franchise owner, as a, as a franchise owner, I can tell you for a fact I've been to every – single uh, event that uh, we've held, and I've learned more from other owners and from uh, the headquarters, uh, and I, and I uh, definitely attribute my success to that, talking to other owners, I, talking to headquarters. Go ahead. I totally agree with you. I mean, there are business owners who have been there and done that, and their lessons learned uh, are going to help you going forward, but you're right. And, and I think Lonnie said mistakes. I would characterize them as learning experiences because you'll encounter things that don't do as well as other things, but then you'll learn to be able to, you know, correct that and do better the next time. Mm-hmm. So I'd have to say that knowing Ray really helps if you're going to own a franchise. Um, the other thing I got a question is you said a franchise lawyer you know. Would that be with the lawyer with Fran Law? Uh, no, no, it would not be, (laughs) but here's the thing. Here's the thing. Okay. And, and all of you know this, that if you are a buyer going to buy a franchise, whether it be a brand new one or whether it be a franchise resale, uh, they're going to tell you to take the uh, franchise disclosure document. And for those that are not familiar with that document, and I'm going to date myself when I say this, it's as thick as the Manhattan phone book. All right. Um, most of them are four to five hundred pages okay the reason why it's it's a good idea to have a local franchise lawyer business lawyer because when that prospective buyer is moving forward with that you're going to want an expert to review that to help you go forward now if you're going to start a franchise accurate franchise has a team that helps you put that all together but you know anyone will tell you that if you're going to buy a business you're going to engage a lawyer and if you're going to buy a franchise resale, you're going to have to look at the franchise disclosure document. I know automatically if I have a franchise resale, there's a 21-day delay because you need 14 days for the cooling off period with the FDD, and you need seven days for the franchise agreement before you can sign on the bottom line. So if it's a franchise resale, you're not going to close the day after you have the letter of intent. You're going to close at least 21 days later because by law you're required to have that opportunity to review that. And a local franchise lawyer is going to help buyers be able to do that. So I will say that I totally agree with you that the franchise disclosure doc is a wonderful document for telling you all about franchisees, all about a franchise and what they do good and what they do bad. It's also a wonderful document to help you get over insomnia. (laughs) Definitely. And what do you do with it Um, after you reviewed it? What do you use it for? What do I use it for? Oh, I go to talk to all the franchisees. (laughs) No, for me, um, I've learned how to pull all kinds of wonderful potential clients out of it. Yeah. So I'll mention this because one phrase to you, and everyone on this phone call will know about it. Item 19. Uh-huh. You know what item 19 is, don't you? <laughs> it's been a while and since I read mine, but, so you might have to elaborate on that. <laughs> so item 19 is where the franchise discloses, discloses the potential um, financial opportunity. Uh-huh. And different, different, different franchisors disclose that differently. Some will give you a range. This is the first quartile. This is the bottom quartile. But you know, and and of course, you can't hold them to item 19. But any franchise resale, any buyer, I said, okay, make sure you look at item 19 because that's going to give you an idea of what the financial potential is. But again. By, by any law, and I, I did securities, uh, I wasn't a securities lawyer, but in investor relations, you had the 10K, you had the prospectus, they will tell you that, you know, you know future is not an, or past performance is not an indication of future results, 
you know, there's uh, always cost in that. But, mm. Yeah, so item item 19, anyone who gets a franchise disclosure document, turn to that page first, but you got to read the whole thing. And I know 450 to mm. 550 pages is a lot, but you got to do it. You really have to do it. <laughs> my, 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 favorite sec, my favorite section was the legal disclosures. It seems like I can really learn a lot about a franchise by reading that. Oh, yeah. And then the, what's at the end, the uh, the number of franchises around the world, how many there were at the beginning, how many there were at the mm-hmm. end. and uh, but, but All that contact I info. Mean, yeah, all that contact info. But I'll tell you, I mean, I thought I would have learned everything in my life when I left the corporate world in, 19, in 2015. I can't stop learning, and I continue to love what I learned. And when I meet mm. a business owner that says, you know, I own this and, you know, six franchises here and seven other businesses here and two restaurants over here and three gas stations over here, you know, one of my new favorite uh, acronyms is MSI, Multiple Streams of Income. And a mm. lot of the people that I know who own either businesses or franchises, they have that. And they're able to excel at that, but it takes time. And if you're a franchise owner, you've got to be able to follow a system for success. And, you know, if you're a business owner, you've got to be able to maximize what it is you can do. So I, I think it's a great opportunity. So. And on that note, with our dog barking in the background, we'll have to call it another the close of another Pillars of Franchising with Ray Pillar and I thank Ray you. McMurray. Thank you. Nope. Thank you. Uh, we're happy... Thanks, Delani. <laughs> Thanks, Stephen. And we hope to talk to you again as we explore the pillars of franchising. What do you got to say goodbye, Ray? Okay. Same pillars uh, next week, same pillars time, same pillars channel.